Hello, my name is Tim Lee, and you're listening to episode seven of Leader Life. My guest, Mike Gerbrandt, is one of those hyper-creative guys who's always experimenting with something new and always being amazing at it. You know, the kind of people that you love to be around, but you're also secretly mad at because they're better at everything than you. <laughs> Mike is a good friend of mine, and I really enjoyed having this conversation with him. You know, the thing that actually inspires me about Mike as a leader, in my view, is that he's incredibly passionate about the local church, and that's important to me in the context of him being creative. You know, I noticed a lot recently that it seems like it's pretty popular for young creative thinkers to take cheap shots at the church from the outside when they're not really doing anything on the inside to help fix what are honestly some real issues with the church. And creative people are gifted to be able to see that. But Mike has embraced a role of being uniquely himself within the local church. He's making an impact from the inside. To me, that makes Mike a pretty inspiring leader. Mike Brandt is generous and he's funny and he has this way of sharing wisdom that is challenging and stretching and outside the box. There's a lot of reasons why I'm excited about having Mike as a guest on Leader Life. I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. So let's get right to it. All right. Hey, Mike Gerbrandt. How are you doing this morning? So, so good, my brother. Cool. Thanks so much for being on the Leader Life show. Absolutely. Uh, you are still kind of in the early days of inaugural guests on the podcast, actually recording this before we even um, go live with the whole show. So thank yeah. you so much. I love um, it. Hey, so folks who may not know who you are uh, or your amazing wife, Christy, um, can you just give us a, a brief bio of who Mike Grant is? What do you do and what are you all about? Yeah, I'm a human that originated... Uh, in the LA area, both my wife and I are, are LA natives. Well, my wife, Christy is from Escondido mainly, but yeah, just, you know, SoCal kids that have grown up, uh, raised loving Jesus and, uh, raised really to, to just know more of who he is, um, as kind of the point of life. And, uh, you run across all kinds of things as we, as many of us know in that journey, but um, yeah, we've we've uh, we're primarily Foursquare pastors, uh, music pastors more specifically, and we've kind of been you know on a journey uh, from we met actually in uh, in the good old AV, the Antelope Valley, where you yes. are, Tim, and uh, go way back in that way. Uh, we're married eleven years ago last month. Eleven years, a month, a couple weeks. And a few days. Awesome. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> you like how I was like specific, but very general there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and has have since had, we've got three kids that are amazing and, and also musical. We love them to death. It's actually blows me away every day to just see the, the little, just see their development and how God is, you know, uh, what he's doing in their little hearts and, uh, and even just, you know, musically as they're singing and playing stuff, it's crazy. It's cool. We do mini lessons all the time, almost every day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and we, uh, like I said, that journey has kind of, uh, it's, it's ranged all over a bit. We were, we met and got married up in the Antelope Valley. And uh, from there, we moved up to Sacramento. We were at a four-square church up there for uh, just under four years. And then answered the call to to come back down home, just really missed and love LA. And, uh, now we've been back here about five years. So that's kind of the, the quick version. Super cool. Yeah. And so you have been in, in ministry, uh, whether that's as a worship pastor or a creative arts pastor, kind of depending on what the role entails, you've done all sorts of things in, in that kind of realm in churches. Uh, you've also done right. a lot of creative stuff outside of the church. Um, you have been a guy who's done some traveling around to different places and done uh, uh, music tutorials and lessons. Um, yeah. For a minute there, you were almost uh, get working on YouTube for a while, doing uh, lots of one of my favorite YouTube videos from about a decade <laughs> ago, by the way. Uh, something about oh, a, a guy walking on stage with a bag on his head. Which, and okay, what's crazy <laughs> is in that moment, it was like on a whim of someone saying, yeah, you should, I was in a band uh, called Less and Less in 
um, 2000, actually like 2000, 2001, maybe a few years, we were like the Christian rush. And on, and on a cover, we wore bags on our heads, uh, paper bags. And then, so that, you know, some people had known, had heard that stuff and had the album or whatever. And someone was just like, yeah, do like, come out with the bag on your head, do a solo with the bag on your head. So I was like, why not? So I did that. And it kind of became a little thing, you know, I mean, at least 70 people, you know, <laughs> watched that in the first month. So pretty big deal. Yeah. I I've tried to really, I think a big part of that has been not uh, really intentionally not being in a bubble, hmm. um, you know, cause we can easily kind of be, and you know what, whether that's a Christian bubble or a business bubble or whatever, the bubble um, is all kinds of bubbles. <laughs> but I've tried to, you know, just not, not be in that place uh, in that kind of tunnel vision thing. And yeah, just had some great opportunities. I mean, it was just God opening doors in different ways, you know, um, sponsorships with different music companies. Uh, currently I'm with, I used to be with Sonar Drums. Now I'm with Yamaha the last couple of years and, uh, and then Soul Tone Cymbals, which are incredible cymbals. Um, they're, they're a pretty, they're a fairly new company but just killing it. You were talking about uh, your kind of creative journey and not being kept inside of a box. You did mention for a brief moment that you were in a band that was the Christian Rush, which sounds amazing. Um, so why don't, you, why don't you keep talking to us a little bit about just that creative, creative journey? What, is that, what does that mean for you? I think there's so much that, that this is kind of how I've uh, looked at it and been peeling sort of this onion, right? I like I like that analogy, right? It's very Shrek and people use it. So peeling this onion of, of creativity and how God is infinitely creative. We know, here's a couple facts that we know. God is infinitely creative, for one. We also know that he is freely giving. And so just those two facts alone are, really fabulous together because it means that, uh, but also kind of scary <clears throat> in a way, because what it means is because he's freely giving with infinite creativity, it means we should always be expanding. It means there should never be a settling. Um, <laughs> and especially as, uh, you know what, that actually, that applies whether, it, whether or not someone actually believes in God that's kind of, maybe that's like a whole nother podcast, but you know what I'm saying? There's, there's an element of, okay, we know that God can pour out all revelation and all wisdom, obviously in uh, that's, there's another application there to, he won't give us more than we can handle. Right. You know, we usually, we usually apply that to, uh, Oh, tribute trial and tribulation and everything, but also works in the, uh, you know, on the flip flop of, you know, the positive and good things and blessings so creatively, um, yeah, I've just seen uh, this progression where God keeps pouring out, you know, certain certain ideas. Uh, and this can be in a very practical way. You know, you don't have to be necessarily. It, we're, we're all creative beings because we're, we're made in his image, right? So at the same time, though, those that don't consider themselves, you know, highly creative, say uh, an artist in some way, a musician, a uh, you know, some kind of, um, you know, just want more artsy, like say, I'm not so artsy or whatever, but you know what, uh, uh, someone designing a bridge, actually, I think this is an an analogy out of, uh, Michael Gunger's book. I read this a few years back and I would highly recommend it. It's like insane. It's so good. Um, but one of the top few books I've read ever, uh, it's called the crowd, the critic and the muse. So this is by Michael Gunger. One of the analogies he uses, he talks about how we're all creative beings and the fact that you don't need to be, kind of like I was saying, so you don't need to be a musician or a sculptor or a painter uh, to really move in that, in that creativity. People that are, are major problem solvers are creative. Um, the analogy I started to use there was, I think Michael Gunger says, you know, if you, if you design, if you're an architect and you design a bridge uh, because a city or a town, you know, they need a bridge from this side to the other. You're creative. I mean, you're creating something. The very fact, fact that we procreate in humanity is creative. 
So we're all creative beings. Uh, so I've got, I got a little rambly here, but to answer your question, yeah, it's just been this journey of, of discovering more of who God is through his creative nature and uh, just being able to catch that, to just catch whatever he would pour out and, you know, just humbly, you know, be before him and be able to soak it in <laughs> and, uh, and then just dish out whatever, whatever he says, you know, to use. And that's, that's extremely fun in a musical context. Um, whether I'm doing something uh, on my own or, or ensemble, ensemble, you know, with a group, um, I'll also lead uh, sets for uh, Pasadena House of Prayer um, on the first, usually the first and the third Saturdays in the evening. Uh, they do a set called The Well, where, which is so great. They have, you know, you're able to sign up and people will sit kind of in, in sort of designated areas uh, specifically for the purpose of being called upon and, and you kind of go off to the side or in certain prayer rooms and you just get, receive prayer, just receive ministry. Um, and those are awesome, you know, times of just, and, and the, what I love about it. So this, this just, you know, links directly to talking about the, the creative realm really is it's a two hour set of just go. It's not, there's not any kind of, um, so it's my favorite. <laughs> there's not really any kind of, uh, you know, Hey, we have this portion is going to be uh, attributed to this or this portion we're going to do this for this 10 minutes or this time and you know it's i could i could go on i could get on a soapbox kind of about on that whole topic i won't do that i mean unless you ask me later or something but you know there's there's a there's a tough balance there uh when it comes to or i should say the integration of how we think about you know program versus just freedom and and just you know just going with the flow of of what and that's that's definitely what I have to be careful because that's where I'm most comfortable for sure. is just the spontaneous and just going for it. That's, that's just been amazing. Just, you know, catching, catching the, the divine creativity and then, yeah, it cause we got to give, you know? Right. No, I, I love that. I love just the way that you talk about that relationship between a person's creativity and the gift of God and that, yeah. Really, there's something inside of everybody, uh, and it's just a matter of how that comes out of each person. It there comes you out know. of you very uniquely, and that would come out of me or a yeah. listener in all yeah. kinds of different ways. That is amazing. Um, okay, I have I have actually a kind of a series of questions that you kind of led me down towards already okay. that I was thinking about asking you a little bit later in our conversation. But here's here's a question I've got. As I make this observation about creativity in Christian circles, I've been noticing a trend recently that I'd love to hear you uh, comment on, okay. that it seems like there's a lot of people who struggle with creativity. Uh, you mentioned kind of some folks saying, well, I'm not a musician or I'm not an artist or whatever, but whatever kind of creativity, it seems like people are struggling with expressing creativity or even enjoying creativity in Christian circles mm. because of a concern that maybe we're going to uh, compromise faith in the name of art or, and, and, and I think we've, we've all seen some folks who said, well, I'm going to be an artist or I'm going to be a musician and genuinely compromise faith. Sure. Um, but then others are afraid of the compromise so much that they don't embrace creativity at all. Right. Just and play it safe. Yeah. So how do you, how do you find that we can encourage Christians uh, to, to embrace a balanced creativity and what in the world is balanced creativity in the kingdom look like anyway? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For me, the main word, the major uh, theme is stewardship. I think it really is stewardship. And uh, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean balanced creativity makes no sense. It, it absolutely makes sense. But I think in the application is, if we think of it as stewardship, any creative person, and again, reaching back a little bit, that's in, in any way. So, you know, I'm in, I'm by no means only talking to musicians, though, because I'm primarily a musician, I'll, I'll, use, I'll use a lot of, you know, music music talk. But, um, you know, if, if, if you think of it about stewardship, whatever I'm being given, am I stewarding that art? Am I stewarding the creativity that's within me? So, you know, one very practical example, uh, I, I mean, that the, the first thing that comes to mind for me is kind of like 
what are you what are you putting in um that that's of course a lot of stewardship um so one example of that would be like what do i what am i listening to you know if all i listen to is air one then and it's no knock on air one i mean they're they're doing a great job but if that's all i listen to that's kind of all that is going to be happening in my creative life you know um and uh, you know if i go to church or wherever i might you know minister or play uh it's kind of going to be the same four chords uh maybe five if you're lucky you know adding adding one more like in a break or a bridge or something <laughs> you know so uh, but rather if i'm if i'm sort of seeking and finding all kinds of different different you know attributes or aspects of music that they're they're already there uh god's set them up built them into creation and you know i'm finding them i'm talking to others about them if i'm if i'm uh looking up i mean wow if i i wish i i sort of like made a list but you know groups like well like gunger of course i mentioned michael gunger's book i mean they're incredible just stewards of creativity um i found out about another group through them actually that opened for them called Kai Kai, like K K Y E, I think I could be wrong, but Kai Kai, uh, there's just so many groups. And I mean, even outside now this gets a little tricky because some people, some people are very much. And if you are this totally fine, I encourage you, but some people are like no secular music whatsoever. Right. Um, but there is a lot of valuable creativity, a lot of valuable uh, music out there. Um, maybe part of it, uh, maybe a, a part of it is upbringing for me at, in that I grew up on a lot of Beatles and then very, very early on, you know, Beatles and Beach Boys. And, and early on for me at, in playing piano, I uh, became very interested. The Lord just kind of plunged me from an early age into classical. So I, I was really just like working out classical, you know, on my sort of on my own. My dad brought me up with like the Beatles and Beach Boys and stuff, but then I would go into the realm of classical as well. So, you know, I, I would also probably on that note, I would add, it's never too late kind of thing, you know? So, I mean, if you're, I'm 35 now, I feel like if I never would have, you know, got into any of, any of that kind of music, and that's such a, such a weird term to use, but, you know, music that's a little more involved, you know, and I feel like I, if I didn't until now, it's never too late, you know, it's, so back to the point of, you know, what are you putting in? So if, uh, if you have kind of a song idea and it's, it's just been percolating and you start, you start messing with these chords and, and these melodies, but then you don't settle, you know, once you feel like you're at a place uh, that, okay, well, yeah, this, this sounds like it could do this. And you start experimenting a little more, you know, you move, uh, this chord and you play like a compound chord, like a chord that has a different note in the bass than, uh, than the chord itself, you know? And these are all things, if something, if I, if I breeze past something and it's confusing, you know, obviously there's uh, the interweb and you can look up anything ever. Um, but yeah, I hope, is that making sense? You know, chime in if, uh, if you need to kind of keep me on the rails, but, um, no, actually, I think you're. I think you're doing a, a really good job of just expressing your own heart in this, and that's that's the point of okay. of the question. Cool. So, as you're talking about um, different artists and your own expressions uh, and your own kind of journey, I mean, I grew up listening to the Beatles. The first band my dad ever introduced Ooh. me to was Tom Petty, and told me he was the king of the hook, and he was right. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So, so I've, I was exposed early on to what we would call, you know, quotey finger secular music and, okay. um, and then struggled with Christian music, not being awesome for a long time uh-huh. and, and really wrestled with that own, in my own journey that, that people who want to be creative in the church world have struggled with, um, not just ability. Cause I, I think, I mean, you're an incredibly gifted musician and you can know the right chord to go to next and all of that. The, the interesting conversation that, that you seem to know how to do the dance with is how to be mm. creative, uh, in a way that is compelling, how to be creative in a way that is maybe pushing boundaries and outside the box, but still incredibly honoring to the Lord and, uh, within within the realm of what would be yeah. uh, appropriate, but but you do things that are fresh and new, 
is that a lot to do to the fact that you just are exposed to things that are outside of the church uh, or, or where does that creativity come I from? I think it's a big piece of it. Yeah. Um, one thing that came to mind, even as uh, in just processing that, that question a little more uh, had to, has to do with preparation and, you know, I mean, really preparation is a piece of stewardship. It's a, it's a big piece of it. So it's almost like I'm answering that again with stewardship, but preparation in that, if you think about, what happens, you know, when you say, when you come to church, you know, say you're on a worship team and you're playing an instrument or you're singing and you're kind of like, uh, and Hey, by the way, I'm preaching to myself first because there's <laughs> been plenty of days I've show up and it'll be like, what, how does the second verse start again? You know? And you're like, can we put that on the screen, please? So I'm preaching to myself. Um, but if we're not prepared to the, to the point of, knowing our stuff inside and out, how really can we move in spontaneity in a way that's going to be uh, both beautiful and, and also fun and, you know, and freeing. Um, so that's a big piece of that stewardship, you know, is, is just preparation. And you know what, that's not just knowing, say, you know, knowing your four songs uh, for whatever event or for church service or whatnot. Um, that's so I'm talking preparation on a, on a wider scale and maybe actually this, so this kind of, I think gets to the core of it a little better to your question is that kind of getting, breaking out of the, the, just the construct of, you know, prepping for a service, prepping for like a church service or some, or an event is that, man, am I stewarding music? Am I really doing that? So am I, am I expanding uh, back to that point of like, well, God is infinitely creative and I know he, he can pour out anything and just, I want to be, uh, I want to be absorbing that at a, at a higher rate. And you know what, even in saying that I want to be, you know, absorbing that, is there a desire? So maybe even just praying over your own desire, you know, I've, I've actually from time to time, I'll ask people, uh, you know, just in a people I'm kind of mentoring or whatnot, like, have you ever, have you ever prayed over your own skill, like hmm. prayed for skill and nine times out of 10. Oh, n like, no, you know, it's just this whole, like, wait, I never even thought of that. Can I do that? Yes, you can do that. You know? <laughs> um, but it, it also doesn't mean, yes, Lord, please, you know, give me more skill, help me improve and then do nothing about it. Um, you know, there has to be steps forward. And so whether that's, you know, some lessons out at, you know, somewhere private lessons or at a, at a shop or something, or just really being diligent. I know for me, it was in my, my formative years really were like junior high, high school. I just sort of sat down, you know, when I would sit down at the piano, it was kind of this, there was really this kind of this reverent sense of like, I knew God was calling me forever to, to, you know, music, to use music and to praise him with music. And there was this sense of like, okay, I better like buckle down. I did have a few lessons here and there, but they were honestly, they were just mostly frustrating because it was kind of like, like I said, I had been doing just like growing up on doing some playing classical pieces and the, and the lessons were mostly like, da, 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 ba, 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 ba. no, thanks. So <laughs> that was hard, but, but yeah, it, there was, I just devoted a lot of self-study and, you know, just, it was delving into <laughs> just deep diving into like, okay, mm. let me understand the building blocks and the theory. So, and this is hard, like it's not easy. Um, cause it, it takes time, but if you value it, you know, if someone mm. is really valuing, you know, absorbing, uh, more creativity and using more cre creativity than, than you can do it. You know, you can devote the time, you can find it and you can steward that well. Man, that's brilliant. And you said a lot in there that was so good. I, I'm probably gonna have to go back and listen to that ah, again. Okay. <laughs> um, no, very, very, very good. It. Very insightful stuff. Um, I love hearing you and I know you and I've watched you play. I've actually had the opportunity to play with you once or twice a while oh, ago. And so good. You are you are one of those guys that could easily be uh, described as um, is just an excellent musician. Uh, I've seen you, you just better kind of stop it. You stop <laughs> it now. And the reason I say that though, and the reason that's important to say is because you, you 
come across musically as the kind of guy who could just pick up any instrument and play it and pick up any song quickly and play it. And yet what you just said is that that stewardship to the creativity that God has put in you uh, has been hard work. And that's actually go. really yeah. important to to draw out. So right. thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for being honest with the fact that even yeah. you, even a guy who, who it might look easy, you actually put a lot of hard work into Totally. That. Yeah. And, yeah. and I would add one point to that that uh, has really encouraged many that I've, you know, been working with over the years. And that has to do with it's, it's persistence. It has to do with uh, keeping at it because God created us to do things we thought we couldn't do. Wow. That's kind of, that's kind of like the, that's the one liner right there. It is true. God created us to do things we thought we couldn't do. So, and the, and there's no better place, uh, no better analogy for sure than drumming in this way because of, you know, so especially I can think back, it's drummers, you know, that, that I would kind of walk this through with and explain this is that uh, if you, if you don't know kind of the drumming world at all, or have never sat at a drum kit, that's okay. There's some, there's a term called the independence factor. And that has to do with, you know, we have two hands we're working with and two feet. And when you're a drummer in the, the, the term independence has to do with when you're doing playing the different things you have to play with each limb, right? So you may be playing like with your right hand and you're playing like on the kick. And then you're playing like, you know, something on the left hand. And then who knows, maybe you do something with the hi-hats on the left foot. So just giving you an idea there. Uh, now back to the meat of that. God created us to do things we thought we couldn't do. And so any drummer knows this, and especially uh, one that is connected to God, a Christian drummer that thinks, oh, yeah, one year ago, I sat down to play that beat. I was so frustrated, you know. I was trying it for a week, two weeks. Oh yeah, but you know, somewhere. And then in retrospect, right? So apply it to a guitar, apply it to vocals. I could, I could not sing that. I could not sing that high. And then you're thinking back and you're like, yeah, but okay, it got easier. And it's like, wow, no, I mean, I sing three whole, whole steps higher than I sang that song before, you know? And it's like, yeah, he actually created us to expand, you know? That's amazing. And, and I think you apply that to any area of life. I mean, I'm thinking I predominantly a preacher. There's stuff I thought, man, I cannot do this. And then as I keep practicing, exactly. Uh, at one point just had to accept the reality that even preaching and leadership in general is an art form that I need to keep practicing. Absolutely. There's totally stuff yeah. that I couldn't do five years ago that just keeping at it that I can do now. Um, all right. So I want to, I want to turn the corner into another area of creativity that you have your hands in that uh, I am really interested to to hear about and, and hear you talk about okay. for a second. So you are the the founder of, uh, of a uh, fledgling but growing organization called Surreal Escape Games. Oh, yes. And fledgling. Uh, I like that. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, I, I love what you do. And you had, you came out recently actually to our church leadership team and uh, you did that. And, and just for, for anybody who has no idea what we're talking about already when we talk about escape games. Okay. So I have two questions right off the bat. Okay. Number one, what in the world is an escape game for anyone who doesn't know? And number two, are Christians allowed to play escape games? (laughs) Oh, good Lord. Uh, by no means would we be ensnared or entrapped <laughs> or, or stuck in, in any situation that, yes, we're allowed to play escape games. Uh, this has been a craze that has hit, uh, well, I don't want to just say hit LA. I mean, it's been expanding. And as far as I know, as far as some re- research that we've done, they kind of er- originated or really started to blow up out of like Asia and Russia and uh, so, yes, yeah, so down to the basic, like an escape game is a game that you go play with several players. Uh, they can, it can be as small as a group of four or five I've seen, and then up to, I mean, typically 10 or so uh, kind of t- is typical in the industry. An escape game is a game you go play with a group of people. Uh, you're locked in a room. You're not technically 
uh, you know, I don't, I don't even think it's legal that they could, you know, actually lock you in and not let you out. So, you know, for those who like might feel right off the bat, really claustrophobic or like super nervous, be at ease. You can get out anytime you want. You just forfeit the game, but your group is locked in a room and there's all kinds of, there's all manner of craziness, riddles, clues, things you're trying to figure out, uh, using teamwork, using, uh, you know, collective brain power to figure out how to open this thing. And like, maybe there's a padlock over here and like, Oh, Whoa, there's a riddle, you know, written on the ceiling. I didn't see that. Oh, how do we, Oh, you locked over here. We've got handcuffs on this one. Now I, I, I can't imagine, you know, how we get out of this, but it's tons of fun. It's been, you know, four or five years ago, you could find a handful of them in LA now, when you search in, in Los Angeles, just in Los Angeles alone, there's at least 50. I mean, they've just completely, it's, there's like such a saturation um, happening with these. So tons of fun. And uh, yeah, uh, the short version is a couple years back, my wheels started turning because I've, I've loved the idea of these and I had played several. And I thought, wait a minute, you know, what about some kind of, alternate reality installment where there's a game that's being played, but it's not confined to a room. And sometimes it can be, sometimes we do one room if, if people prefer that, but with surreal escape games, we really, we specialize in sort of the, uh, the, the breaking out of the box, so to speak, uh, and designing games really for any, any group anywhere. And, you know, we go to homes, we go to businesses and, uh, like we came to you guys, you know, churches, different organizations, whatever, whatever it is. And, uh, and just design, you know, a crazy fun game where people have to use teamwork and, you know, figure out, uh, figure out what the heck is going on in their life for an hour or two. (laughs) (laughs) And it's fun. Obviously the, the, the end result is fun. And, uh, and definitely, you know, team building is a, is a huge aspect. We've done a bunch of games for, uh, for all kinds of, uh, you know, like Edison and, and LAPD. Actually, we did a game in Hollywood at Waddle's Mansion. It was nuts. It was like dream come true opportunity. And uh, it was at this mansion and we did this kind of, you know, very thick uh, mystery caper, you know, along the lines of a murder mystery, but, but like on steroids and very twisty and... So just a lot of fun. Just That's super cool. It's a dream come true. And so I, I heard as we were talking at one point about your kind of launching into Surreal Escape Games and, and starting that out. You yeah. said a really interesting thing at one point, because I know you're, you're in school right now. You're doing some studying. Yeah. And you also are in ministry, as we talked about. So right. you also, on top of that, have... Uh, a wife and your amazing children. And right. so you've got a full life. And yet you kind of said this in passing at one point, and I'd love to hear you talk about it a little bit. Okay. That part of starting Surreal Escape Games in the timing of it, I know you said you were interested in it in quite a while, but part of the timing of it was because with all of this stuff you're, you've got going on and with school, you needed to have a creative outlet at one point that this was okay. like, it yeah. was the right time for you to do it because of, I just need something where I can go be creative. So can you walk us through kind of how that light bulb went on for you? Yeah, sure. Um, in my studies, it's primarily theology and not, and please no one take this to say that that is boring in any way. <laughs> Cause that'd be ridiculous. Uh, that is, that is the ultimate subject, um, you know, to study God and who he is and what he does. Um, but as far as other, by the way, I mean, surreal is very, very much on the side. I have, I have a small team of, there's like three or four of us and it's very much, uh, you know, we'll do, we'll, it's like I said, we specialize in kind of, uh, special engagement type stuff and we'll do maybe a game a week. So this isn't, you know, a thing where we've, you know, typically someone is, that's kind of just saying, I mean, if you, if there's anyone out there that's like, wait, I could do something like that. Yes, do it, do it. You know, it's smart business in that we're not renting a space somewhere. We don't have some big overhead, uh, you know, rental uh, amount we have to meet every month. So anyway, it's very much on the side. And 
so in that way, it, it totally fits. You know, we just make the schedule what we need it to be uh, for what's going on in life. But yeah, absolutely. Uh, family is first. I mean, family is, uh, I know that's, that's parallel topic here, but how it works into, you know, the flow of creativity. I mean, you need, you, you, you must be stewarding your family first, you know, whether it's, you have a spouse or just, if you're not married, I mean, in the family that you do have around you stewarding that first, um, that's, that's God's design, man. So that, I mean, even if you go back to, this is another, I won't go on a huge tangent, but if you go back to Jewish tradition, I mean, family unit, you know, and in our, in our culture, how, uh, you know, and one world order and all, you know, I know some people's ears just perked up like what one world <laughs> order, but the breaking down of the family unit and everything, it's becoming more and more difficult to hold that value and be, you know, not be thought of as like, okay, you're kind of different. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, family first stewarding that, uh, that closeness and family environment. And then to, to better answer your question, you know, again, a couple years ago, just started thinking about, wow, I could, you know, do something totally different. Uh, and maybe others are doing it. I'm just not aware of it, you know, in, in how we've kind of combed and we we're always kind of looking all over and researching what are, what's, what are things looking like? What are people doing in their games? And, and we haven't really seen this, but except that uh, I should have mentioned this a little earlier on crazy inspiring and really it was kind of the catapult for me and it's actually on our website there's a trailer if you scroll down there's a youtube trailer it's only a couple minutes and it's for a documentary uh called the institute and it it's been i hope it's still on netflix i haven't checked you know in recent months but it really it it really just revved me up big time um and the short little blurb to this would be uh between i think 08 and 2011 there was this really mysterious kind of vague but incredible incredibly intricate game and again this was not like this was like all over downtown san francisco and uh this guy primarily with with us with a small team organized just this weirdo game that you would see a flyer on a telephone pole with weird stuff like wait so already you know he's catching just the interest of kind of like sort of weirdos like me but even just people that might be intrigued and see that and be like wait this what is this or this makes no sense they would call a number they would go to a little induction room where they would see this this kind of strange video and that, that starts to develop a subplot they're looking for some clue on some in some other part of the city um what was so remarkable to me about this was that it was just so immersive that someone could just get off work at five and be like, okay, I'm, I'm playing this game again right now. So I don't know. I, you know, I don't want to ramble on that, but it was really inspiring. And I thought I'd love that to be sort of a long-term goal where we can have a game uh, as part of surreal that is this sort of like alternate reality, but that has all kinds of, you know, great, just whether, uh, eternal, you know, having to do with, uh, you know, philosophical, um, theological nuggets, just all kinds of stuff that really can speak into people's lives and just kind of, you know, blow their minds uh, so they can kind of break out of the routine. You know, so many are just kind of living like for the weekend, right, as they say, or living for the paycheck and just kind of like mundane routine thing. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been a, it's been a, a crazy journey and just kind of learning more about it as we go and having fun with it. I love it. Um, how has this impacted your family as you're taking time? Uh, I know for us, you came out on a Saturday and did this. So how do you balance, um, what you said, you steward your family first. How, how do you do that? Absolutely. They love it. Actually. I mean, we, you know, we brought, I brought the kids, uh, to you guys and yeah. they were, they were had a blast, you know, playing with some of your other, uh, other staff kids. And, uh, you know, we try to do as much as possible together. Uh, but again, like I said, it's, it's, it's very much on the side where we can, you know, make the schedule what we need it to be so that it, uh, yeah. So it doesn't feel overwhelming. My wife actually, in addition to worship leading, uh, for, you know, several different churches and we're just kind of, we've just kind of been 
the fun term I like to use is we've been like a worship circus family for a little while, <laughs> which has been really fun, really freeing. And, uh, and the kids totally love it. I mean, they've just been like, oh, we're going to be at Seth's church this morning or, you know, like Seth McKenna, Pastor Rob McKenna out at uh, El Segundo Foursquare. And, uh, you know, or we may be totally like in the Inland Empire another Sunday or out here or whatever. We try and make it integrative where, you know, just in our, in our thinking that it doesn't have to be, okay, now I have this game. Sorry, you know, I'll be gone for half the day. I mean, sometimes that is the case, but then you, you, you make up for that. You know, it's like, okay, tomorrow, like, boom, it is, we are together and there's nothing on the agenda and, you know, we're just going to go to the park or to the pool all day or whatever. So yeah, you know, it, it is easy in the, in the, especially the highly encouraged and the, and the very normal American go, go, go kind of culture and, you know, the American dream type thing. Uh, you know, people, there's more workaholics than, than ever and stuff. And so you really have to guard against that. You have to hmm. be able to <laughs> relax as God intended us to do, you know, find the R&R time. I love yeah. it. All right. So speaking of being just a relaxed person, you, I was talking to my wife, Sharon, uh, about you and knowing that we were going to have this conversation today. And we were just kind of listing off the things that, that we love about, about you and words like joyful and encouraging wow. came up. And so we were thinking about that. And you're making me blush over here. That's my job. I'm okay. trying to be a good podcast host. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so as we were talking about that and talking about you as a leader, whether that's of your team with Surreal Escape Games or a team that you're guest leading with at a different church or a team at home that you might lead, whatever that is in a leadership context, uh, the question that kind of came up in our conversation was as you are this really positive, encouraging, joyful personality, uh, how, how do you balance that in a moment where leadership might hit up against a wall of something serious or challenging? Does your leadership have to change or does your joyfulness just tear down all the walls of all the bad stuff? <laughs> I love that. Wow. I'd like to say, that it's the latter for the most part. Um, but then I wouldn't want that to be too wishful. So I think that, I mean, if you look at scripture, joy is everywhere. It really is. I mean, front to back. And uh, it doesn't mean that there's not a time for, for mourning or for complete seriousness. Of course there is. But I mean, if you take, uh, if you take, something as simple as, uh, well, seemingly it's not simple in practice, but taking joy in tribulation. Wow. I mean, that's hard and that's, and it's not that common. I mean, one of the first things we do in our culture is we kind of, you know, at, at a mistake is we actually, there's, uh, I would, I would plug a guy named, uh, a, a man called, I love how the British say that when, when they're giving a name, they say cold. Uh, a man <laughs> called Benjamin Zander. He's called, anyway, his name's Ben Zander is the, he is the conductor for the Boston Philharmonic. Something he talks about is one of my favorite things when he talks about uh, sort of, you know, mistakes or defeat. And of course, you know, again, I'm talking, talking music here because he's a conductor of an orchestra. And he says, he says, when you, when you make a mistake, he says, the, the, the typical response, it's automatic to sort of the body, the body pulls down, you, you know, and if you picture in your head, you know, someone makes a mistake, your, your, your shoulders, you know, sink, oh, your head lowers. Instead, try this. How fascinating! <laughs> and his hands go up and you're sort of, you know, and okay, I'm being careful with this because not every situation calls for that, I realize. But... Uh, yeah, in the cases where there's there's a time to there's a time to get serious and there's a time to, you know, leave all jokes aside. I've always kind of been, you know, a class clown type of guy, was literally the class clown, you know, in school. But I think joy and and the peace that that God promises needs to permeate. Um Paul talks often about that peace that is uh, that we 
he, he uses the word allow. He says, let the peace of Christ, right? So that, that's really interesting to me in that this isn't something that is just automatic. Okay, I'm a Christian now. So it's just going to be roses. It's all going to be great. Always. No, but we actually let the peace reign in our hearts. Um, so yeah, I hope that's, I hope that's answering your question as far as, uh, there, there's a time and place for everything, but at the same time, uh, I've just found that (laughs) if I choose joy, uh, really I run into so many less problems, you know, and less issues, especially if we're talking about conflict management, you know, you have all kinds of theories and everything. I mean, constructive conflict is kind of rare. And I mean, even in the church, you know, just being real, it's kind of rare. So to be able to, to just choose joy and, you know, this, this, uh, this comes down to a, a foundational truth and it's actually incomplete to even just say truth a foundational, just, just our, our reality as we live as Christians is that we don't spend enough time with him. Just, just Mm -hmm. him, just me, just him. So like right here, I mean, I know we're on video, this is going to be just audio, but I'm in my bedroom and right here on the floor is where I've experienced so much more, so much more profound transformation and revelation so much more than any event or any church service I've ever been to. And I know that's, that sounds harsh. That almost sounds mean. Like some people are, you know, kind of like, Oh, you know, church, you know, I got, I got hurt or, you know, I've got some baggage, which we all do. We have to be honest about baggage. We bring to any situation, church or not church. Right. But are we spending the time every single day that would require uh, or that we do require for, for dealing with anything. So uh, what I'm trying to say is I, I know that there's no way I could take uh, such joy and choose such joy if I wasn't with the joy giver, you know, that's awesome. You know, um, there's, there's kind of that, it's a little cliche because I know I've heard it a lot, especially uh, as a minister and, and, you know, in circles of ministry, you hear this kind of cliche, but don't be, don't get so, busy doing the work of the Lord that you forget the Lord of the work. You know, um, I know I've heard that one a bunch. If you haven't heard it, great. Then it's fresh for you. Um, definitely so true. Uh, and, and in the, and in the most, and in the deepest way, why that's so true at such a deep level is that he is the Lord of the work. He's the originator and he is the, (laughs) the preeminent one who has always been, always will be, so yeah, I have to be with him, you know, um, even if it's a time thing like this, this, this part can feel, cause I know at times, uh, over the years where I've tried to inspire and, and, you know, uh, you know, just being, being relationship and kind of encouraging people, this part feels a little harsh. It's like, yes, you do. Yes, you do have the time. You can find the time. I, I know firsthand because years ago, I kind of felt that way, you know, as in, when I was in my 20s, let's say generally, I kind of felt like, oh, yeah, how an hour like in the day, how could I pray for an hour? You know, there's no way I can find that time. Yes, you can. Because actually what it, the more you do, and the more time you're with him, you actually realize, oh, I thought I couldn't afford to spend that time. I actually can't afford not to spend that time. Hmm. I really can't. Hmm. I cannot afford not to. Um, because then, you know, <laughs> he says it's about intimacy, you know, right. and so I'm going to trust him when he says that, you know, I mean, I'm paraphrasing so much of the Bible, but you know, you can look up, just do, do a search on intimacy in the Bible. And I mean, look at all the way through, you know, old Testament, uh, old Testament and new, you know, um, he wants to be with his people and his people with him. That's amazing. Yeah. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. you know, start there. I would, I would tell anyone to start there. there you he's, go. Talking to, he's talking to his people, not, not just unbelievers, really, but primarily believers, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Oh, woo! <laughs> uh, Mike, as I'm listening to you, we've talked about music, we've talked about leadership, we've talked about surreal escape games, we talked about your kids a little bit and how you do your family. It just hit me as you were talking just now that there seems to be this theme running through. So I'm putting this 
theme that I've noticed in my own words, but um, okay. you were talking about music earlier and you were talking about how uh, it, you've done a lot of hard work behind the scenes that allows you to do some kind of spontaneous stuff or to be creative. Yeah. I, we were talking about how you lead with joyfulness in the middle of whatever situation, uh, even if your joyful response um, doesn't always look like a smile on the face, sure. but you can be joyful in the middle of everything. Uh, go read James for that one. Yeah. Um, but you, you give all this great insight to that. The theme that I'm noticing is it seems like you do a lot of private practice, uh, whether that's private practice in music, private yeah. practice in prayer, private practice of your own creativity, so that you can be publicly spontaneous and creative. Is that something you do intentionally or is that just kind of the way your your life just kind of puts together that you do stuff privately so that you can do stuff publicly? No, I, well, it's, it's absolutely true. And I think what happens for anyone is that it becomes less intentional. Hmm. I think for really for anything, I mean, it's like, you have to start out being like, okay, I mean, think of working out, you know, it's like at first, oh man, I have not run in months, <laughs> you know, like think about the last time you sprinted. I know it's like, there's younger, younger, like, you know, teens or early twenties listening to this. They're like, no problem. But like, I realized the other day, or I don't know, you know, earlier this year when I had sprinted and I'm like, yeah, that's been months <laughs> since that happened. But, um, you know, you have to be really purposeful about it at first, but then as you're in the rhythm of it and as you come to enjoy it more, you know, it becomes less of like, oh, I really have to try to do this. Uh, so yeah, I hope that makes sense. You know, it's, um, it is, it is privately, uh, I mean, there's, there's so many scriptures about that in and of itself, you know, what, what is, what is in private will be brought out into the light, right? It'll be revealed by the father, both, both positive, both the good things and the bad things, right. <laughs> that we don't like to talk about or whatever. So yeah, there's definitely that's again, I mean, I, I hate to sound like, you know, a broken record with the word stewardship, but it is, it's back to stewardship. So if I'm, actually, you know, putting in the time necessary uh, to know my God and, you know, know what he's thinking, know what he's feeling, know what more of what his, what his word says, what scriptures uh, say, not just at like kind of one level, but going deeper to another level and then deeper another level and researching, you know, like one of my favorite theologians is Matthew Henry. And, you know, then going reading what he says about the scripture and then boom, I'm at a deeper level with it. And then, you know, so it's just, and it really is never ending. I mean, it's, it's this perpetual find seeking and finding of God that does not end because it cannot end because he's infinite, you know? So yeah, um, that's definitely true. Um, it has to come from a place of, of depth, you know, within ourselves, it has to come from the inside and work its way out. It doesn't that's work the other way. Amazing. It doesn't work the other way. That's right. That's really, really good. Okay. Uh, last question for you for today. And by the way, I've got about five or six more questions, um, but just so love I the know, way I'm sorry. I'm such this a conversation talker. went. No, just hearing you, <laughs> hearing you share your heart is just exactly what I was hoping for today. So I think I'm going to have to see if we can do this again so I can get in these other five or six questions. Um, cool. but here's my last question for you today. I love to ask this kind of as a, as a wrap up question. Okay. What kind of advice would you give to a guy like you starting out in leadership or in mm -hmm. worship ministry or in creativity today? So specifically in ministry or just kind of any realm of creativity? Uh, yes, go for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I would, I would probably give two answers then because I think there's a, there's a specialization that happens when you say yes to ministry. And mm. that is uh, because it, it is, you know, some kind of emphasize that angle of like, 
every member and minister, you know, Ephesians four, if you go there and that's absolutely true. So I'm not, I'm not discounting that in any way, but there's a different, it's just a different uh, set of a, a skill set that gets developed when you are full-time ministry, I suppose is what I'm getting at. Um, and, you know, I mean, kind of interpolate that as you, you know, whether you do 30 hours of ministry or 20 hours of ministry, but it still applies in that uh, major on honoring your leadership for one. Mm -hmm. And the reason I go there is that you just cannot, there's no way you are going to minister effectively if you're not doing that. You just can't. Um, Jesus, you know, there's a moment, uh, if anyone knows the story, I think we do, right? Pilate, he's like thinking, who is this guy really? He pulls him aside and Jesus is like, there is no, ultimately he says, there's no authority except what's given from above right? And so no matter, no matter what the ministry context, whether it's a church or kind of like evangelistic, you know, or a non or, you know, nonprofit uh, organization that, that ministers in certain ways, um, honor your leadership and find out what, how, find out how best to honor them and how best to serve under them. Because you can't, you can't just kind of be, you know, uh, out here on, you know, on an island trying to do your own thing. And so I think the, I think the main reason I go there right off the bat when it comes to ministry is that creatives, we are just so often, we're so susceptible to doing that and kind of, you know, are, we're just inherently more emotional and more sensitive. So, you know, we can take something that was said and be, and kind of mull on it and have a conversation in our head that didn't really happen and kind of like, you know, get into dangerous areas. Um, but just trust, like just know, trust in God enough to know that you can just trust your leader, even if it's, even if there's tough stuff, right? Like it's okay. Um, so I don't know the the just saying it's okay is, can be a look, can be pretty watered down if you're really going through something hard, but man, just, just go to the Lord and <laughs> trust in him enough to, to just honor, you know, and walk, walk with integrity through that. So I guess that's answer number one to someone in ministry, but a little bit broader, um, man, if to the, I, to someone just starting out, I would say, uh, get inspired by looking up, uh, you know, man, this is, it's, it's totally different, right? Than when we were kids, Tim, I mean, we had to like open a phone book or we had to like <laughs> walk down a street to like, Oh, you know what? Okay. I'm glad the Lord reminded me of this. I'll try and not take like a crazy amount of time. There is a, there is a, maybe uh, wherever you post this, you can maybe include a little link, a YouTube link, because there is a, there's a comedian and he talks about Google and his name is Pete Holmes, H-O-L-M-E-S, I believe. And here's a major disclaimer is that he since, uh, since four or five years ago really went down some routes of like, he's not always the cleanest. So I cannot officially endorse him in any way, except that uh, I took a cue from earlier, buddy. You said that uh, you were talking about uh, how you were brought up and like Tom Petty was the king of the hook. Right. And I took that as a cue from the Lord, like, okay, at some point I'm going to mention this bit because he talks about, uh, he does talk about Tom Petty in his bit, but I would highly recommend, uh, this, this is totally central to the second answer. Uh, and it is being able to unplug Okay. So there's a lot you could say there. I mean, you could just do a whole nother podcast, right. On, on being unplugged, but being able to, being able to relax back into what God is doing is actually really hard these days because it's just constant connection, right. Constant uh, response, right. I mean, how many, if, if I, if we were in, if, if however many were listening, let's say we said, raise your hand, we cannot do that, obviously. That's weird. But if you said, raise your hand, if you um, expect someone to, you know, respond right away when you text them, like almost every hand would go up. 
I mean, some would be reluctant, like, oh, do I really feel that? Oh, yeah. And deep down, they're like, yes, I do. I do feel that. But, you know, that is, that's so difficult. So this guy, Pete Holmes, talks about Google and he says, I'm just going to give you the first portion. But he goes, have you, you know, I have Google on my iTelephone. Yes, on my iTelephone. Thank you. And he says, uh, it's, it's ruining life. I don't know if you noticed, it's ruining life because the time between not knowing and knowing is so brief that I feel nothing. <laughs> you know, it's like, so he, I'm just giving you a small snippet, but he brilliant, brilliantly talks about how it is, it's so changing our lives. And there's so many studies on this and everything, you know, information overload and stuff. But uh, back to the point of what, what advice would I give is that pray and meditate, please meditate, watch your life change when you meditate. If prayer, that's not, you know, usually in our Western minds, we think, oh, meditation, that's like Eastern, you know, mantra, um, it is not. The, the, the word talks about meditation almost as much as prayer when it uses the word prayer, talks about meditation. Do a study on the Aramaic word slotha, S-L-O-T-H-A, because, wow, that will, it will open up a whole nother, <laughs> a whole nother realm of, of understanding when it comes to prayer and meditation. If prayer is talking to God, meditation is simply listening to God. It's nothing like weird, new agey, you know. Uh, and so that would be my major advice is that be able to unplug. Um, even if at first you're forcing yourself, then do that. You know, force yourself, turn off the phone, get in, get in un, uninterrupted, you know, prayer and meditation before the Lord. I would even say, turn off your phone when you're go sitting down with your guitar to practice for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, you know, it, it's like, because there's something that happens in the inner, even, even physiologically in the brain and how we absorb, uh, and how we, how we process rather how we process the information that is so much more effective when, when it's in a, in, excuse me, uninterrupted, <laughs> um, so that uh, so that it's that much more effective. It's just exponential. So that Man, would be my my major advice there. That's brilliant. So honoring your leaders and learning to unplug. That's brilliant. And it, it sounds like you you do that. You you actually unplug. I mean, you said You're earlier. Straight. You have to right. I mean, yeah. you have to get in a place where. Uh, you are completely uninterrupted. Uh, I, I was so blessed, actually, when I moved into the office where I'm at right now in our church. There was yeah. a closet, and it was just full of stuff. And um, a, a group of folks from our church helped me just turn it into a prayer room. And so now it. there's a painting in there. My guitar is hung up in there. Yep. Somebody gave me a shepherd's staff, and somebody else gave me a sword. I've seen that staff. I love it. So I, I just go in there every now and then. I just like you, like you said, you know, sometimes I'll just leave my phone on my desk in the other part of my office or I'll just turn it on airplane mode. And you just have to be able to get alone and to unplug and whatever comes of that. It's, it's not that you're doing it for a goal, but you're really just doing it because it's an important practice to do. So yeah, just being with that's him, amazing. I mean, be, being with him with no agenda yeah, and, and no, well, like you said, really no goal except because you know, and I'm not, I don't want to go on a whole nother thing, but briefly the American normal prayer life consists of, I have my list and I'm asking things of the Lord and then I'm done. Hmm. You know, that's kind of it. So it's like, wow, we have to get way, way outside ourselves and away from that list. And a list is good. Don't get me wrong. Like having a prayer list that you know it's like okay i'm gonna he, he tells us to come to him with requests so that's good but just to know him you know just to know him and how jesus talked about not needing you know any recognition even it's like you know there's almost like a talking so much about it in a in a public way almost is kind of weird a little bit you know okay it's a podcast and it's like because jesus said you know like like your right hand doesn't know what your left hand is doing right and go in your prayer closet like you're saying and close your door it's like no one needs to know that i'm spending this time it's okay it's just you and him so and just watch what he does right amen that's awesome amen <laughs> a couple of books that i i that you just reminded me of um 
There's there's a book called With by Sky Jathani that Ooh. is one of my favorite books. Um, so good to recommend for you and for our listeners as well. Um, that book really messed with my theology nice. and the way that I relate to God and uh, really just did a, a lot of what you were talking about. It's just about being present with God. That actually is the ultimate goal. Yeah. Um, Jack Hayford has written a ton of stuff, but, um, there's, there's a book that I think is called the pursuit of fullness, uh, a passion oh, for yes. fullness actually. Yes. Um, passion for fullness. Yeah. So I read that on a prayer retreat that I went on and at the end of it, I was really upset with God cause he hadn't said anything <laughs> profound to me during this whole retreat. Okay. At the end of the at the end of the retreat, I went on a little hike, and the one thing I heard God say to me the whole retreat was, uh, "It had been complete silence." I'm finishing the book, I go on a walk, and God says, "Isn't it nice just to hang out?" Yeah, that's it. And I just kind of pause. <laughs> I stop in the middle of my hike, and I go, "Huh? You know what? It kind of is." There you go. And yeah. so I love just the way that you express that. It ultimately is just about being with God. Right. Right. Yeah, a mentor of mine, my my primary mentor really for now the last almost five years, David Pinkston, he's in Pasadena. Uh, one of the first things, that's one of the first things we broke open is mm. the term he he sort of wittingly, you know, in a fun way says, you know, we're, we're human beings, not human doings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's so true. It's like God created us just to be yeah. with him, you know. Um, doing is good, but only when it is, you know, in order of out of a place of being first. So yeah, I'm, I'm loving that. I'm going to look up that book. And uh, Michael Gunger's book, again, is really great, specifically for creatives. You know, if you're a, if you're, if that's kind of how you're wired, that's an excellent book. Uh, and the other book, uh, Dick Eastman, Intercessory Worship, the book is called by Dick Eastman. I'm pretty sure I have that right. Forgive me. I should have like prepared a little list, kind of resource list, but um, you should find it if you type in any number of those letters and figures and characters <laughs> into the interweb. You'll find awesome. things. So um, that's an excellent book as well. And I'll make sure that I put that in the in the show notes as well. So again, the Michael Gunger book was called The Crowd, The Critic, and The Muse. And Correct. then we think it's called Intercessory Worship by Dick Eastman, but we'll it make sure that it's is, correct. It, it definitely is Intercessory Worship. I just want to make sure I'm not mixing up the author, but ah, okay. <laughs> forgive me. <laughs> well, apologies to Mr. Eastman if you didn't write that book, but uh, we will we will figure out. Maybe it's by Clint Eastwood. That would be interesting. Hmm. Definitely, probably not the right. same book. It's kind of a Western spin on prayer. <laughs> <laughs> Something about do you feel righteous punk? <laughs> yes, that's it. Right. <laughs> the first chapter, the title of the first chapter, actually. Mike Gabrant, I could sit and talk to you for days and days and still be inspired by you. Thank Tim you so much Lee, for taking this time. Please. No, thank you, man. You've been listening to episode seven of Leader Life. I hope you enjoyed listening in on my conversation with Mike Brandt. If you want to connect with Mike or experience one of his surreal escape rooms, you can find the information to get a hold of Mike in the show notes. Thanks so much for spending your time listening to Leader Life. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to hear more, you can subscribe to Leader Life in iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Podbean. I'd be really honored if you'd review the show and share it with your friends. I hope that Leader Life has inspired you, challenged, and encouraged you. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk soon.